ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Sap the Sex Actually podcast. Yeah. Hey everybody, how are you today? Do I get cheesier and cheesier with my intros or is it, uh, is it I don't know, I feel like... Uh, it's part of your brand. It's part of my brand is douchebaggery. Uh, hey everybody, my name is Dave Neal along with Tasha Courtney, my co-host with the co-most uh glances that she makes at me i love that we're doing uh video podcasting now because you can see uh tasha's eyebrows just sear into my soul when i say something that no one else sees that no one else sees it they do uh, if, if anyone's watching last episode, I got several comments on the YouTube that was like, man, Tasha yawning at the beginning of the episode <laughs> you used to get away, you used to get away with doing shit that no one could see. You'd have your hand down your pants, you're eating Cheetos, you're hanging out. And then we start the podcast and you turn into this pro. But now on the, now on this episode or last week, last week's episode, you literally are yawning like a baby tiger. <laughs> I got called out for my lack of enthusiasm. You yawn. I don't even want to make the noise because I'll put everyone to sleep, but you yawned. You were arching your back. You were like, you're like a baby that just, you know, shed from its exos. You were, I don't know. But anyway, I, that was also a tough one because we didn't record the podcast till 10 o'clock at night. Today was so nice. We got the podcast done at 5 p.m. The sun's still out and we have enough time to make dinner and watch some Netflix tonight. So tonight's going to be a good one. We just recorded recorded a long conversation with Erica Wernick, a Hollywood success coach. As you guys know, Erica was on the podcast maybe four or five months ago, and she came to our Mimosa show. She's a real, she, she's a success coach, which is hard to define, I think, in today's world we live in because there's so many people out there that are sort of slimy in what they're trying to sell. But she sort of curates a lot of her advice to like the specific people, which I think is good. So of course we used it as an, as a chance to um, kind of get our own shit together. But it's almost like having like a shrink, but except for like motivating you to be your best self. It's like, you know, the answer but you need her to say it to you. And sometimes it's like accountability. Like there's all sorts of versions of how success coach works and we're not her clients. So we can't speak to exactly what her method is, but you know, sometimes you just need an accountability partner or a cheerleader or, you know, a mentor. Like there's that's that's kind of my idea of what a success coach is. Right. And, and for the most part, this conversation as most conversation we have is both good for you guys, educational and self-serving for us. I feel like we don't, I, at least I personally don't miss any opportunities to get anything I can uh, for myself out of the conversation. Who knew? Who would have thought, hey, it's my podcast. I can do, I can cry on my birthday. It's our podcast. It's our podcast until Tasha doesn't want to do it. And then she goes, why well, do I have to do your podcast? You're like that way with like the dog. You know, it's, it's, it's my dog when you want to, when you want to prove a point, but it's like, babe, go walk the dog, go, go walk our dog, babe. <laughs> Come on. It's like, oh, you're so generous to me. Thank you so much. But anyway, it was a great conversation. And, um, you know, it's, uh, the whole, the whole idea with bases behind this episode is that, you know, we, we both mentioned it. We've spent the last couple weeks, um, doing one-on-ones with each other. Is that called a one-on-one? What's it called when it's just you and I, that's a episode. Tasha and Dave, ta-da. Uh, we've been doing ta-da episodes because we've been in quarantine. And I haven't wanted to do any Skype interviews, uh, mainly because you can't have the aggressive sort of banter that you can have when you're in person with somebody. Yeah, the delay is a little tricky. I think probably you had some hang-ups about the extra work it was going to be for video and audio quality. But uh, but it was great. 
Yeah, it it went really well. Definitely I mean, in-person interviews are more fun, but you know, we'll take what we can get during quarantine. You know what I you know what I really don't like about Skype interviews is I turned down about 93% of publicists that email me trying to get their client on the podcast. I mean, it's cuz look, we're not top of the charts over here. We're hanging out in top 100 comedy interviews. I get it. We're doing okay. But publicists, we're in their phone book. I mean, they're probably reaching out to everybody. But like they, uh, the publicist, it's like a roadside blowjob. They want to get their client on the podcast to do a radio interview. And, um, and then... And then that's it. We never hear from them again. We don't really become friends out of it. When we have a podcast guest in the house, they become our friends. Like we've we've done hundreds of interviews with people that we've really gotten to like them through having long form conversations with them. But when it's a guest like you, that you don't know, that's how it kind of feels. It's like, so anyway, I've had a few, you, you can figure out who it has been in the past where a publicist sets up a conversation with, you know, an actor or somebody who's got a movie coming out and then they leave and it's like, I never hear from them again. And I just feel like you fucked me and left me, you know? And so you just feel, it doesn't feel like a two way conversation where when we have friends on the podcast, they get to promote their new book they're writing. They get to bring their wisdom onto the show. It's way more um, uh, symbiotic in in its relationship, which is what podcasting has to be. You know, no one wants to be on a pod, you know, you can't just be lecherous in, in, in our industry. You have to kind of give and, you know, and all that shit. So anyway, that's what our conversation with Erica is. And because, because we have built up a rapport with her, it was a lot better to do a Skype interview. Why are you laughing? Are you over there laughing? Because you just went on a 10 minute tangent when you could just say we had a nice conversation with erica that's the episode everyone <laughs> bye <laughs> that's all we got yeah that's it we had a good conversation with her and um i should open it up to doing more skype i guess we should open up to do more skype interviews with other friends um there is a blessing behind it where we might be able to get guests that might not want to do it if they're kind of too busy but in the pandemic this is the whole p- part point of the episode finding and again we hope everyone's doing okay. We hope everyone's social distancing and we hope you're safe. We hope your family's safe. I know statistically there are some of you out there that are going through some tough times right now, whether it be with relatives, unknowns, and whatever the case may be. We appreciate you all and thank you for tuning in. With that all said, there has to be some sort of um, sweet spot we can hit with regards to the opportunities within this pandemic. So part of the... Well, just reframing it from like a sort of pessimistic experience to a like bountiful opportunistic experience. It's kind of like when a new social media comes out and you're like hesitant you're to resistant join. You're like, to it. Fuck, well, I don't want to get into it. And next thing you know, everyone else joined it and they they kind of were early adopters. So it's like, what can you do within this quarantine? Which Trump said... uh, might last at the minimum till April 30th, day before I turn 28 plus seven, <laughs> wait, 35, five, yeah, there it is. Uh, May 1st, my birthday. Send in your flowers, folks. That's right, I want flowers for 35. Flowers for 35. But how are we going to take advantage of what will now be the next five or six, or I guess that would be five weeks? Um, what can we do if it becomes more than that? Are you going to do a workout challenge for your 35? What, is, what do you mean? How many more days do you have left? To, you should take your last 35 days before 35 and like oh, fucking work out idea. hard. Well, I've only got 31. Today's what, the 29th? What's the date today? I don't know. We don't even know the date. Today's the 29th and March is 31 days. So I only have 33 days well then do three 
do three days work of worked out today. Uh, maybe. Maybe I'll start tomorrow. What, no, what's a great your idea. challenge going to be? Um, run every day. I love to go running. Run, run and push-ups? So, no, but you have to have like specific. I like that. Well, my, well at first, I was going to do strive for 35. Which yeah, is, but that sort of went out the window with the pandemic. Not exactly. Like, and also, you didn't necessarily like specify your goal. So like when I did my 35-day challenge, I promised myself 100 sit-ups and 100 squats a day. My knee started hurting a couple weeks in, so I switched from 100 sit-ups and 100 crunches to just 100 abs, 100 booty. So Booty! So, however, whatever exercise I wanted to do, I just made sure that I did 100. And you posted each. them on your Instagram and stories. I posted them if on anyone Instagram, wants to go see your and, booty I held, and that held me accountable. And it was really, they're actually my highlights too. You can watch them. Um, but I, I kept going past 35 days. I went up to 39 days, I think. And then, you know, just stopped. I want to try and do something else. Maybe I want to do arms and abs, or maybe I want to do arms, abs, booty, and just do like 50 of each. But either way, I just- You set specific goals and you adapted and all that. So let's plan right now. What is your 35 days till 35 challenge? What if I do- um, see, I don't like. Can you promise yourself one mile of running a day, one hundred sit ups? I can and do thirty five push ups. One hundred push up. Okay. How about this? Let's just stick to the thirty five. Thirty five sit ups. Thirty five push ups. Um, I can do a five minute plank where I go. You know, I do my plank workout, and then and then three to five mile run every day. How about that? Three to five mile run every day. That's pretty good. Three to five mile run. Th- 35 push-ups 35 push-ups. i usually do more than that but 35 push-ups 35 sit-ups 35 sit-ups and a three to five minute plank yeah but i'll do five I'm, i mean i always do it. i have a specific five minute plank where i do side planks plank and um i just alternate between side planks elbow planks and then and then push-up position but um okay but i've already been i already took all the videos starting in january of like i, I or you could do a three mile run a five minute plank a 35, 35, 35. Okay, but I always 35. run closer to five miles when I go for my loop. So either way, all right, let's do that. And then I'll and then uh, I'm gonna document it. I already took some shirtless photos that I'm of uh, ugh, some gross photos of me after Christmas, bloated as hell. So um, I I wanted to punish myself to actually try to get there. But now, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm confident doing that. It's a good way to get into 35. And how about this? And I also drink 35 ounces of water every day. That's two pints. I, I don't you're drink any committing water. yourself to a lot. And I really think you need to define. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You need to like define your goals. All right. Three things, right? Push-ups, sit-ups, and running every day. As long as they still let us run, which right now they, you're allowed to exercise. Okay. And done. if they take out the running, then you can replace it with the plank. Yeah. No, well, I can do more than that, but yeah, I can get around. I'll just do boon squats, put boon on my shoulders and squat. We got We got to introduce the episode because we're we're gonna. It's and a long. People one. are into this. This is we're talking about goal setting in the in the episode. Yeah, you've got thirty five days till your birthday. You just set a goal, and now everybody's gonna watch on your Instagram, and they're gonna cheer. Oh, you I got to post on my Instagram. Yeah. All right, at D Neals D N E A L Z. I'm gonna post my strive for thirty five on my Instagram, um, and um, you guys are gonna love this episode. We had a really good chat with Erica Warnick as you're about to listen and then after the episode after the with the chat with erica we 
went on a nice 20 minute riff after that and had a good chat so we appreciate all you guys sticking around as i mentioned later on not the best times to be podcasting a lot of people um normally listen to their podcasts on their commutes to the jobs they don't have now but for those of you that are listening right now we appreciate you so much stick around share us with your friends we ain't going anywhere and we need all of your help um now more than ever because um yeah we need to keep growing this thing so we appreciate all of you tasha i appreciate you so much everyone have a great week and i hope you can apply some of the positivity that Erica shares with us to make this time during a tough situation to make it work for you and being disciplined and in control of all that you can't control in an otherwise sort of chaotic um, experience. So anyway, without further ado, my conversation with Tasha Courtney and Erica Wernick. You were on the podcast, what was probably four or five months ago now. I think it was in 2019, right? It was the end of 2019? I- I thought it was like a month ago. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how, how fast life is going by? And Tasha wasn't on that one, but you guys met at the Mimosa stand-up show. Yeah. Um, and I, um, yep. I met her the day that we recorded. Oh, I was just right. like that's on right. the way out, running out yeah. to my dance class. Yeah, Tasha chose dance over the podcast, but I, I don't Well, I, don't I had already her. paid for it, honey. You didn't let me know. You got to give me a heads up when we have it on the schedule. So, you know, last time we spoke, and by for for everyone who hasn't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that one first. But obviously, life has changed a little bit for all of us. So, I want to know how you're doing with the uh, pandemic, safer at home, and uh, and and all that jazz. Give us an update on your life. Yeah, you know, I work from home already. So when this first started, I was like this is easy, no big deal. It's just another day for me. And now I'm like eating shit because (laughs) it's definitely (laughs) getting to me now. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, so it's, I'm just taking it day by day and trying not to put pressure on myself to do anything specific. When I feel inspired to work, I work. When I don't, I don't. Is that your timeline in general? because you are able to work from home every day? Is that sort of how you operate that when you're inspired to work, you work and when you need a break, you take a break? Yes, but I've been feeling a lot less inspired lately. So I'm pretty good. I'm pretty self-disciplined. So when I work from home, I, I usually work every day, but I'll stop working at like four or I'll take a break in the middle of the day. Um, so yeah, usually I feel pretty excited to do my work. I just I don't know the past the past week has been rough. We're uh we've run I've run I've used all of my sweatpants. I'm out of sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. I haven't even thought of putting Still jeans on. Still just wearing the same pair. I put on jeans today. It made me feel good, and I took a shower too. But let me tell you, brushing out the hair that hadn't been brushed for four days straight was like it took a long time. It's a classy establishment we run over here. Now, there's plenty of podcasts out there trying to cure uh, the epi- the pandemic, this and that. With 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 you, I want to talk more about how we can use this time to our benefit, assuming we're just healthy and at home. Like what? Like uh, what yeah. are you? What are you t- t- telling your uh, cult like following of supporters? What do you? What what kind of advice are you offering them to make this you know, not just a Netflix and chill for three months? Yeah. I mean, we talked about on, on a call with my clients that, you know, this is a gift this time. It can be assuming again, you're healthy and you're safe. Um, but it can be a gift. And so I think that when you feel inspired, 
go get to work. And, you know, kind of like what I'm doing with myself too. I don't think you should necessarily put pressure on yourself and be like, oh my gosh, I have to have this masterpiece done by the time this is all over. Um, but it's, it's good practice, I think, even for life, because we don't all fear, feel inspired every single day in life anyway, you know? And so I, I really think this is good practice. And another thing that we talked about, and we kind of talked about this on your last podcast, we create our own reality. And so I talked about my, with my clients talking about the future you want to create when this is all over, and we can start creating that now. Um, and so taking baby steps and doing whatever we can, you know, we can't necessarily take massive leaps right now. And I mean, I'm still sending out agent submissions and doing things like that a little bit. Um, and writing a note in my email, being very sensitive to what's going on and saying, you know, if you're not working now, just please disregard this and I'll come back to you when it's all over. But I think that the more we can focus on the future that we want to create, the the easier it'll be to get back into that inspiration because yeah I'm, I mean I'm experiencing it myself it's really hard it's 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 hard to to find that sometimes you know during during this like I've been feeling really tired every day and trying to move my body and there's there's all of these other elements I think that feed into our inspiration um, so. I don't think that's really a concrete answer, but <laughs> I think, you know, the gist is if you can get yourself to feel inspired, use this time because a lot of times people will be like, if I only had the time, I would do X, Y, and Z. I would create this. I would work on this. Um, and now we have the time. And so time is not really an excuse at this moment. So um, if you can get yourself to feel good and to feel inspired to do something, then go do it. But also take the pressure off like you don't have to have some crazy masterpiece created by the time this is all over. That's my goal. I'm trying to create a masterpiece. I'm like, if this podcast can just get some success, the problem... Oh, did I not turn off? Did you hear that? I got to turn off my other notifications. The problem that I'm having, or not a problem, but I don't want to look back on this time and... I mean, this, again, this is the last time I'm going to preface this by saying we want everyone to be safe, this and that, but this is a chance that can be the biggest blessing to have what could be four to six weeks of, in some cases, paid unemployment, you know, and and actually to like really make that shift in your your job in your life. I mean, I have no reason to not, to not be shooting a ton of content. I have no reason. And, you know, we're slowly getting there on our end. Like we're doing all of the house projects, painting, you know, Tasha's got a new plant that goes up every day. Uh, we live in a jungle now. So we're doing, <laughs> I mean, but you're right. It's like a blank slate to be like, okay, it's all right if you didn't prepare for this moment that we're in now, but now we have the chance to spend a few days or a morning, just whatever it is, setting new goals to accomplish when you're kind of forced into this. It's like, there's going to be a lot of people, um, either a decade from now or a couple years from now or 20 years from now that will attribute their change in their lifestyle, the change from their corporate job to this creative job because of like the moment we're in right now. Some people will take the ball and run with it. Some people like me so far will just gain a few pounds and you know be wondering what I'm going to do in my life. But but the the I guess the option is there that wasn't before which is you you're we're we're being told basically don't do whatever it is you were doing and now figure it out. So are you, are you having any like of your clients just kind of be like, all right, 
I, you know, I'm sure a lot of them are very ritualistic, you know, like, uh, cause a lot of people that have to kind of run their own business have to kind of be their own boss. Are they wondering now, now I don't have this X, Y, I don't have the gym to go to. They're losing all their rituals. So how to, how do you kind of bring that structure back? Yeah. You know, one of my clients, we were talking about how she's an extrovert because I'm an introvert. And so I'm mostly cool with all of this, but for an extrovert, it's really challenging. And so we talked about, okay, what were the things in your life before that made you feel good, that filled you up as an extrovert? So she's a personal trainer on the side. And so she loves working out and teaching people and doing that. I'm like, okay, how can we bring a version of that into your life now? Um, and so I think that it's not going to look the same, but it's like, how can we take pieces of what you know, built you up and what felt good and, and help you do that now, you know? So I was like, I mean, obviously she can do online workouts and that kind of thing. And she was like, Oh, I got so bogged down in the tech and trying to do the replay. I'm like, then don't worry about the replay. Just do it live and say, show up on this day. Here's when I'm doing it. So, um, yeah. And, you know, I was telling them this story a couple of years ago, I got called into jury duty for my first time in California And it was a really hot day and I don't have air conditioning here. And I live across the street from an elementary school. So it's usually super loud because recess is right outside my door. And so I went to jury duty and I was so excited because they had air conditioning (laughs) and everybody had to be quiet in the waiting room. So I brought my laptop and I got a lot of work done. You know, we spent a lot of time waiting to hear if we were going to have to serve. And I had the best day. I was like air conditioning, quiet. I'm just getting so much work done. And there was this woman who was two seats away from me who complained the whole time. It was like every hour on the hour. She was like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe you haven't told us yet if we're getting to have, if we have to serve or if we can go home, this is ridiculous. And she just kept complaining to the people that were running, you know, the room and she was just miserable the whole time. And I'm not trying to say I'm a saint here or anything, but I think that we're all, you know, we all are given this same moment and we can choose what we want to do with it. You know, we can choose to be like that woman who complained the whole time and was completely miserable, or we can be, you know, what I did. And I was just, I had the best day. I got so much work done. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's like bringing control into an otherwise situation that's out of your control. You're controlling the fact that you'll be productive when you have the moments. And if not, and your perspective, you're controlling, you're in charge of your perspective on the situation. Yeah. Cause we're at the place now where we're, we're not going crazy trying to work 12 hours a day creatively, but we've got so much free time now that even if we only work a couple hours a day creatively, that's more than we probably have ever invested in ourselves. It really is. Cause and just, feeling yeah. relaxed has really helped my creative expression as well, because I get, I'm one of those people that's so bogged down with work, like so time limited because of my day job that I am one of those people that's like, man, if I had the time, I, I would do X, Y, and Z or just the energy left over at the end of the day. I would do X, Y, and Z. Now I have all that time and I feel like a flower blossoming in the springtime. <laughs> like uh, creative ideas are flowing. I've got my list made. I'm like inspired to do all of these things that before felt like a draining task at the end of the day. You know what we've, you know what we've noticed a lot about, about like triggers in our relationship is it's not 
being creative, it's deadlines. So like if we have, and, and, and I'm, I'm the worst at being like, all right, we're going to go to Home Depot. We're going to go podcast after that. And then after that, we're going to watch this. And then, and then all of a sudden I block everything with the most ideal, like, uh, you know, altruistic mindset where everything's going to just go perfectly and we're not gonna be a minute late. And then by the end of the day, our date nights pushed back till midnight or, you know, it's midnight. I'm making Thai rice and I'm like, I'm sorry, it got away from me. So the things that are, that are stressful in, in the relationship is when we, we say, all right, we'll take an hour to go. sew. no, the sewing's going to have a problem and you're going to get stressed out. So allowing, allowing like a buffer time in your create, like, like really clearing your schedule, just it takes away the one thing that stresses us out, which is knowing we got something else to do afterwards. It's interesting having this like creative uh, space and creative um, time because I think we're realizing like a lot of, uh, there's definitely been studies, right? That show that you don't need an eight hour workday, that people are just as productive in five hours as they are in eight. So for people who want to switch to like the 30 hour work week or whatever businesses that want to do that, it's just as effective as a 40 hour work week. Um, and, and they're saying the same for school, right? When all these kids, when it first happened that the schools got shut down, they, they told parents, listen, you don't have to, your kids don't have to have 11 hours of school every day. It's a couple hours of learning, get it done, do the online stuff. And then that's it. Playtime, give them to like space to be creative and experimental and, and learn how to play and entertain themselves. All of that is just as helpful for a child's brain as studying, I don't know, the quadratic equation (laughs) or something. What do you, what's your extra, what are you doing? Are are you doing anything that you weren't before the lockdown? You know, watching the sunset from the roof or are you doing anything where you're like, well, I got an extra couple of minutes. I'll do that. Um, not really, because like I said, I already worked from home. Like this was my everyday life, but I am, I think I am actually being a little social more, you know, doing the zoom happy hours and doing a lot of FaceTime. And so that's been kind of nice. We haven't been invited to any zoom happy hours. I've been invited to plenty of zoom happy hours. What? (laughs) What, what What are, what's a zoom? I haven't signed up for zoom. What's a zoom happy hour. It's just some of your friends getting together. Yeah, just on video like creatives hangouts and like conversations. A lot of like influencers are doing it. It's a thing. There's a couple. Of, there's a comedy club trying to charge comedians to to go on Zoom to workshop their material, and it's just like I mean, it's there's two different there, there's there's leeches in this industry, and then there's people like you that are actually trying to improve people's value, not in some sort of pyramid scheme type of thing. But like, how do you when you when you talk to potential clients. How do you sort of pitch yourself to them as someone who's like going to help them reorganize, reinvigorize and all that versus, you know, the rest of the industry, which is just these vultures who try to charge you to use a free Zoom service. Like, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people must be so yeah. skeptical when they, when they first meet someone being, you know, like every, every, every corner you turn, there's some casting site trying to sell you on some new shit or upgrade your slates or some bullshit. Yeah, I think that a lot of people because of that in this industry are jaded and have a lot of fear about investing in themselves because there have been scammy and icky things uh, that have been offered to them. So, I mean, I just I don't really sell them. I 
you know, I've got a podcast, I have other free stuff and they can devour my free stuff. And if that seems good, then they can come hop on to a paid thing. But, you know, I, I don't, you know, I think when I was building my business, I had to do a little bit more of that, just have like really long in-depth phone conversations with people. Um, but yeah, it's not really about me convincing you that you need my service. It's about you deciding that for yourself. You know, you know what to I wanted make to make that investment. In you know yourself. what I wanted to mention beforehand because I, I I know we kind of touched upon it, but Tasha wasn't here when we met, which was about eight years ago, and I know that because I was just oh, that's when I was living in LA the first time. I I feel like I don't know the name of the bar, but it was one of those UCB birds. Bar- birds. Mm-hmm. It's called Birds. Yeah, that's so funny. I because there was <laughs> there's one place like there's a pig restaurant right there. Right? You know what I'm talking yeah. about? It's right next to you. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. And and I was just like living in Santa Monica on a buddy's couch, but taking classes at UCB. So I was ca- trying to go to all the free courses. And But I was in a part of my life where it was super transitional in hindsight, where I was just, I was going through a bad breakup, but I was also kind of like figuring out how to do more creative stuff. And then, and you weren't doing any of this. You were just doing graphic design, right? So, yeah. So, what what part of you went from working in graphic design as an introvert to basically <laughs> a ho- to to what you, a Hollywood success coach? Like how like where was the spark and the transition from there? Well, so when I first moved to LA, I only knew three people and I didn't know any of them well. And one of them was my dad's cousin, and I had met her once at a funeral. And that was it. So I didn't really know her, but um, she lives down the street from me and she was a coach for businesses um, in addition to vice president of marketing of a company. So she did coaching on the business side and she had given me this book. She was like, read this book. It'll help you. It's called The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. And it was my first self-help book. And so I read that 12 years ago. And when I read that book, it helped me break into Hollywood, but it also planted this seed. I mean, I had, when I first read that book, I was like, oh my God, I want to teach this to people my age so they understand this. Like, I definitely had that seed planted 12 years ago. And then over the years, I would go to seminars and workshops and read more books. And so it was always planted. And then as I worked in television for 10 years, I loved it. And that was the dream that I had moved to LA for. And it was so, so great. But I just remembered this moment recently. I was writing about it. Um, one day I was working on a TV show. I remember I was in a little bungalow at Warner Brothers and I was sitting at a table with my laptop. I had some downtime in between projects. And so I was watching YouTube and I was watching Jack Canfield, who wrote The Success Principles, being interviewed on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. And I don't remember what they were talking about, but I started crying. (laughs) I just had tears coming down my face. And I just had this moment of, Erica, you need to help people. You need to be helping people. And it was just, I mean, I really do think it was this seed that was planted 12 years ago, but it, it was like this calling that kept coming. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't help people as a graphic designer in television in the way that I want to be helping people. And so that's kind of, a short version of what led me to this. I Do you think it was one of those moments where like, okay, I'll preface this by saying I had a conversation with my acupuncturist a couple weeks ago. And she said, sometimes when we're in an emotional funk, it is because there is something else 
some sort of external thing that's gone wrong, right? You're not listening or maybe not external, but that you're not listening to your internal compass. You're not following your path. You're not aligned with your destiny. And that's why you're feeling anxious all the time. And that's why you're feeling depressed all the time. And you've got to like take in and honor those sort of signals that you are giving yourself. So if you're watching your YouTube, right, and you're feeling so emotionally overwhelmed that tears fall out of your eyes, is that a signal like this? I'm not doing what I'm designed to do. I've got something, you know, like I'm not following my true purpose. Yeah, for me, it's interesting that you say that. I think I just like word it slightly differently, but I think that is what I talk about because for me, it's always an emotional moment that kind of confirms like I recently had it happen again where I spent like an entire day crying when I realized an, a new dream that I have that I'm working towards now. And for me, it, the, the emotional connection is my way of knowing that there's something deeper here. There's something more meaningful. And for me, it's like a, a goalpost. It's something to follow. Like it's a, it's or a like sign for crumbs. a direction. Correct. Correct. Like a breadcrumb. It's like the direct, it's like, oh, because I have this emotional reaction that tells me this is, this is like a pivot or this is a direction I need to be going in. Tasha likes the breadcrumb analogy. Cause she's, uh, she's big into bread. She's, a, <laughs> I'm she's hungry. always thinking about bread. It's like that, it's like that yeah. pasta noodle heading towards the bowl of chili. Uh, but no, you you guys are absolutely right. And, and it's, it's funny how we, we talk about sparks and that's kind of like a quantum leap when you know, you're feeling like you want to do something, but then the idea comes and you go, oh, that's what it is. It sounds so simple in hindsight once you've already known what it is, but so many people have this just bastula of energy that's ready to form into something amazing, but they either through limitations, self-doubt, their mom's telling them that they need health insurance, whatever it is, there's a reason that that didn't form properly or you're just, you know. Or you're just indecisive like me, Libra rising. I need, like if I can't decide on an outfit or like if I'm shopping and I'm like this one or this one, sometimes I just need someone to tell me the wrong one for me to know that like, oh, actually this is the right one. You know, sometimes you just need like some sort of extra something that helps you realize like, oh, I I can't, I cannot put this item back on the shelf. I need this item. I am. So I'm writing a book about all of this, um, which I'm really excited. It's a big thing that I'm working on right now, how to achieve big quote unquote impossible dreams. Um, but I think the indecisive thing, I mean, you kind of hinted there, but that's like the surface level excuse because you're not actually indecisive. Like you said, you just need someone to tell you the wrong thing. So that sometimes we feel like we need permission to really go where we want to go. But I often find that the indecisiveness is not, is, is really just like a surface level excuse of your mind coming up with something so yeah, that you don't like have to face what just because you're afraid to face what it really, what the decision really is. Like, you know what the decision is. Uh, yeah, or your subconscious does, you know, yeah. so how do you unlock like just your willingness to be like, this is it. This is what mm, I want to do. Yeah, I think and I think it comes from practice, but it really comes from connecting to your intuition and, and listening to it more because it's always there telling you. I mean, not that you necessarily know the answer to every decision in any moment and you don't need time to get there. But I think that when you feel indecisive, but you really know, it's like your intuition knows and your ego is fighting it. And so it's just the conversation between your ego and your intuition. 
And so it's just about practicing more, you know, just practicing tips for tacking, like tapping into your intuition. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, there's all different things and I think everybody can find their own, you know, you can meditate, you can just close your eyes and visualize, you can just be quiet with yourself. I really like to go to the ocean and be in nature. Um, but I think that it's becoming self-aware. So it's like anytime you're feeling faced with that and you feel like you're fighting it to become self-aware in that moment and go, interesting, this is happening. What's really going on here? Well, you know what? You know what I like that you did is you had an idea and you told enough people about it. And I think that was so that way you made yourself do it. And that was when you said you wanted to write a book. Is that, yes. is that what you, you pretty much announced it on Facebook before you were like, I'm doing it? Yes. Well, I've also announced that I'm getting a book deal. And so the reason why that I'm announcing it, it's actually not to hold myself accountable, although that is, uh, you know, an added bonus. But what's really cool is that I've been teaching now, I've been coaching people now for years on how to achieve their dreams. And I did it for myself breaking into Hollywood. And, and I'm creating this book that's this system, this method of what I teach. Now I have to prove it once again, like to get a book deal, I need to use my methods and prove that my methods work to achieve a dream. So Part is like the main reason of why I announced it was to show people like a what it looks like to have certainty around a dream, even when you have zero proof in front of you and just have unwavering faith, because I think that that is number one requirement to achieve anything that you want, you know, so I want to be that example. I want to show people and I want to prove to myself once again, it's like I don't really have to prove it because it's already been proven with all of my clients and my own, you know, success in Hollywood. But now that I have it very solidified into like a legitimate system, it's it's really my chance now to prove that this works. Yeah, so speak it into existence. Exactly. Speaking it into existence a hundred percent. You know, I have a little highlight on my Instagram of the book deal stuff. And so it's for other people to follow along behind the scenes and also for me to be able to look back and it really is about speaking it into existence because look, I'm trying to get a book deal. I'm faced with a lot of rejection. I've gotten like five rejection letters so far. Um, and it's, you know, similar to what anyone else is going to go through in Hollywood or any other kind of dream that they have. And the more that I speak it into existence and the more I talk about it, the more I say, I'm getting a book deal, I'm getting a book deal, I'm getting a book deal. That is the reality that I'm going to create. And I, I need that faith and I need that certainty around it when those rejections come. You know, accompanied with actively pursuing the book deal, which is what I know people understand that, but a lot of people will have this vision. I'm going to do this. And then, and then that Monday comes along where they were going to start and they go, boy, I should really reorganize that fridge. I mean, they're just, (laughs) the resistance. Have you seen, have you read the, uh, the war of art? I haven't. Oh man, it's great. I'll give you my copy, but it's like the resistance that we, we get, which is procrastinating is because we know what we need to do, but it's, the hardest thing in the, like the hardest thing in the world to do if you want to write a joke is to open up the notebook. I mean, that's the hardest thing in the world to do. So with like Tasha, we we were gonna make these do-it-yourself um, masks for you know just to wear out. Do, do you want to go run and get one? Just sure. go, go get it so you can show it. Um, here, take your head off. Uh, but but the, I knew the hardest part for Tasha would be not having it, the time limit we talked about because you know it it takes a lot to get out the sewing machine. But we've been dating for six years. I I've seen the sewing machine used twice. It comes out for <laughs> Halloween, you know, which is great. 
but I was like, I want to, I want to create the time and space for you to do this. And then we just made it happen. You know what I mean? And it, I don't know. We, we were using them today. Oh, there, there they are. Yeah. Bring bring one in here. But well, we, we made a YouTube video about it and everything, but it's uh, she made it out of a t-shirt and some bra straps. And it's like, <laughs> but that wouldn't have happened if we didn't, amazing. if she didn't create the time to do it and not, and, and honestly just getting the sewing machine out. Being like it is plugged in now, and I and for me knowing nothing about it, I I was just there to say here no excuses. I took it out of it. We dusted it off. We took the top off, and we live in a do-it-yourself culture. You just learn how to figure it out, you know. So like we yeah. found a pattern online, and you just figured out the way to do, by by the third one you made, you were a pro at it. You know. Yeah. Very different though to get yourself to take action on making masks and to get yourself to take action on writing a joke because one of them is feeling like your purpose in life and something that you could fail at. And another one is doesn't have that attached to it. Yeah. You know I do what think I mean? it's good practice though, to start with the little things. Like it's so easy to just, you said we live in a do it yourself culture. I would completely disagree. I think we live in a like buy it online instant gratification. <laughs> Don't learn to do it yourself. I mean, I know I would much rather hire someone to like recover this bench that I want recovered than do it myself. It sounds like an enormous task to have to like go watch YouTube tutorials and, you know, figure it out like that. It just seems like a, a massive undertaking. But I think that doing those little things will help you build confidence right? Confidence in yourself, I think is important to like, take it to the to the bigger steps, the bigger dreams, you need confidence in yourself to take that first baby step on your on your passion. Yeah, too many too many people are are uh, I think too many people, you know, take Instagram, right? You see the best photo out of 700 photos that that person took and it's photoshopped. You see all of the the perfection. And too many people think that the first joke they write is going to be the the most hilarious. So a lot of stand-up comics, if if I try to complain to other comics, they go, "Keep writing." keep writing. And so for like, for you, you've been rejected five times. If, if you knew for, if you knew for certain that the 29th person isn't going to reject you, you'll get those 28 out as quick as possible, learn from it and keep going. So there is a success there that is built in through the journey. It's just about having faith that you're learning and growing along the way. And, and I, I don't know if it's the Western culture or American culture, whatever it is, but we we're, we're kind of perfectionists with the products we put out there. And I think we need to go easier on ourselves to not be perfect because that's, we always talk about the fixed mentality. That's like, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to suck for a long time before you're better, but that's not failure. Failure is the inaction. Failure is the not even attempting. All of those failures are actually blessings, right? The, that's what everyone says. Like your failures are actually like teach it, like coaching you into the best version, so, right? Every time you you send, yeah. I don't mean I don't know how book writing goes, but you send a draft and they say no, not you know needs improvements. Then you go back and you re-edit and you build on what you have, and it's a bit and it, the next edit is better. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm getting rejections right now from agents. So I'm trying to get representation for this. So they're not necessarily reading the book yet. But um, yeah, one of my mentors, he would always say my bad book is better than your non-existent book. Wow. And, damn. You, you know, it is. It's so true. And have you guys read The Alchemist? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've always been obsessed with that because every obstacle, and I talk about this in my book, every obstacle that he hit 
led him to the treasure. And when he gets there at the end, you see like how crucial every obstacle actually was. So it's like one of the rejections that I got um, was questioning how much Hollywood is in my book because I'm, you know, it's essentially for people in Hollywood, but I want it to be for everybody. And I didn't really agree with what she was saying and she didn't fully get my vision, but I did tweak stuff. I did. I, I I saw some, you know, I was like, oh, wait, maybe I like what she's saying about this. Maybe not for the whole thing, but this. I changed ha- chapter titles and, you know, I went back and re-edited some of my chapters. And so it was an obstacle, but it led me to pivot somewhere. So I think that, you know, Gabby Bernstein says obstacles are detours in the right direction. So Ooh, I think that's a good one. That, you know, like failure in any sort. I believe is just leading us where we need to go. Now, let me ask you this. Here's, here's one of, if I had to take my own life in Tasha's two, well, first of all, we, we've, we've developed the Venn diagram. That is our goals. The center, I'm actually looking at it right now. We have it written over there. The center that, that we have written right there is, what does that say? Travel, um, uh, we have videos. the, the travel sap. video sap. So we have the podcast. We have travel videos. That's in the center. And travel videos obviously means travel exploration. That's all something we both want to do. On my side, I've got comedy, stand up. I want to tour. And then on her side, what does that say? Fashion, Fashion photo, photo shoots. shoots. So we really do have this journey that we can do together. Where like if if and when one part blows up, like um, say Tasha blew up huge on TikTok, I would be I would be like great. I will if you we we will travel and I will go find stage time and we can be this little like circus group. We can do all that. So we have kind of like this vision that maybe could be more specific, but that's the watered down Venn diagram. But my question that I have to deal with is I love the saying leap in the net will appear, but I also live with a little bit of a calcified exoskeleton of realization that it's a long journey. So how does one implement leap in the net will appear while also um, investing, not going into debt, you know, all of those things when, when, um, when the path can be a long one. Well, can you give me a specific example? Like stand up comedy, you're not paid. It's almost like you're in school for stand up for a long time and then you're making a lot of money. The second mm-hmm. you can get 99 butts into a seat, you're making a lot like w- deep into six figure territory. So the people that are actually selling out arenas, it's just silly, silly, silly money. Theaters, comedy clubs, small venues, you're still making money. But you've got what can be an eight to 15 year kind of grad degree where where no, no amount of leaping in the net will appearing is going to get you closer to the finish line. Not, not to say that there aren't other revenue sources in between, but say, staying like what's the best mindset to have to stay sustainable with side incomes while you develop your true calling? I think that the, the leaping in the net will appear doesn't have to be as grandiose as maybe you're thinking. Like it could be, um, and, and forgive me because I don't really know how the comedy world works. So maybe this is not a good example, but it could be something like, okay, now I'm at the place in my career where I'm not going to do any more bring shows where I have to bring people, you know, and that is a leap. That's taking a leap because now you're saying, I'm not going to, I'm going to say no to those opportunities now because I'm trying to push myself forward. So I think the leaping is like constantly graduating yourself to the next level when you feel ready. And granted, like, you know, I talk about this in my book, you know, we can't necessarily control who's going to say yes or when they're going to say yes. 
but we can control everything else. And so if you're constantly pushing yourself and graduating yourself to that next level, it might not take eight to 15 years, you know, it might happen a little faster. So I think the leaping is, it's like, it's like taking little leaps and pushing yourself and pushing yourself. But Does that of, make sense? Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And part of what you just described is kind of, which, which stand up has a, has a way of beating our soul in and, you know, to, to this self-hatred until we're loved. It's really weird, but I think it, it, you're, what you're describing is like almost uh, having the confidence to put yourself on to the next level before others see you there. Exactly. 100%. Because who else, like if you don't believe you're better than the bringer shows, like you said, why would anyone else? You have to, Correct. you have to take that step first. You have to believe it first. You got to deliver on stage. That's a given, but people, it's, it's so amazing to me when I see people with new Hollywood dick energy, they come into Hollywood with this energy, like they're the biggest shit from their own town. And it's almost like, where are these old bags that are probably way more skilled than some of these newbies, but we yeah, just but like, also jaded. So you end up with a chip on your shoulder that like works against you, like, right? Take, if you don't keep a positive mindset. I want to take Tasha for example. So she's had a lot of success with fit modeling in the last couple of years, uh, yeah, uh, which is basically, you know, you try and close for all these agencies and she's so good at it. This last week she worked from home and I got to see this talent that she has where she, and, and a lot of times Tasha says, she's always like, I don't have a talent. And it's like, you hear the way she, she's really good at describing how close fit that then get mass produced to a lot of people like that's she's the you're the only person for that brand of clothing that gets to do that it was a, it's a big deal but it's not creatively fulfilling for you as much so there's the struggle between something you're successful at versus some like finding your passion that you might not be successful at yet. So it, I mean, and that might be a similar question for you, but like, how do you, like, do you have clients that are successful in one thing, but they want to explore something else? And like, where do you break up the time to do both? Where do you, you know, how, how do you, how do you manage the, 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 um, I guess that would be the, uh, cash cow, which is like fit your fit job versus the, um, more, aspirational stuff which is more photo shoots travel travel vlogging type of like um you know being the face of something yeah i think that i mean there's a couple things that we could talk about i mean i'm not trying to ignore the day job situation and the fact that we all need to make money um but like putting that aside for a moment if you believed that you would succeed at the thing you really want to do what would you be doing right now is that a like a legitimate question? I mean, if I, I, don't I if, have to answer it now, but but you know what I mean. To get yourself thinking, it's like again, it comes back to the certainty. It's like if I believe with like for sure that I'm getting a book deal, what actions would be, would I be taking? You know, like what agents would I be submitting to? What what would I be doing every day? And so it it all comes down to if I believe that I would succeed because so much of the inaction has to do with fear of failure, fear of fear of rejection, fear of what whatever. Um, and so it's like, just for a moment, entertain the idea that you could become massively successful at the thing you really, really want to do. What action would you take? I mean, I would just be making like a ton more travel content. That's my like big, that's my like fun, exciting thing. I mean, in general, making making content in general is fun right now. I'm kind of working on like transforming our home space because we're stuck in it and it could use an update. So I'm kind of working on that as a little, um, 
project for Instagram, collabing with some brands, uh, speak it into existence. But, um, you know, I, I would be doing way more travel content. That's my like ultimate dream. We had a good, uh, for Christmas this year, we, we did a little bit of the leap and then it will appear. We did a, we road tripped back to Northern Kentucky. Uh, and Tasha was able to set up several different collab- collaborations with hotels, and d- she does a really good job of packaging past lifestyle photos. Like when we got in- when we got engaged um, in the fall, we stayed at a amazing place in Thailand, and it's crazy that from Los Angeles she was able to set up a thing in a tiny island in Thailand. So, so, so we've seen, when we talk about breadcrumbs, we've seen some of the successes, but now it's about, now it's like getting it to the level where it's like, okay, we're showing that we can like commercially produce content for big brands. How do we like jump that up from getting a free place to stay to getting Getting paid? (laughs) And that's kind of like where we're at. But by all means, it's, I think I, I personally, I'm happy that we're beyond the thought phase of it all and we've started to do it. Now it's just like, all right, let's cut, let's figure out where the money is because we, we, we know, we know how much a commercial shoot can take. The, uh, um, you just recently we were staying at a multi-million dollar place shooting content for them. Just me, Tasha and the drone, you know, camera. And we cut out 25 people, you know? So like, we know that there's, we know that there's like money to be made there while we explore our lives. It's just about kind of, um, writing the business plan. Exactly. And having the confidence to pitch, just like you were talking about having the confidence to pitch, knowing your worth, adding 20% tax and hoping that eventually someone pays it because you're right. Like uh, there's definitely for as many fun collaborations as I've put together, there's probably 10 times that that didn't write me back or that wrote back and said, we don't uh, work with influencers less than 250,000 or, you know, we're full at this time, whatever the excuse was. So I think it's, you know, it's a numbers game. It's a practice game, but I feel like we're putting, um, our, our practice into action. You know, we're doing the thing that's kind of, I I've talked about this before specifically with Instagram because, um, I grew my fo- following on just modeling stuff. Right. So it was a lot of what I still shoot, but used to shoot a lot more of swim photos. You know, it was just a lot of like beachy California girl photos that built my following. So it's like, a ass and titties crowd. And that's not my brand. That's not who I am. But that's what put numbers on my Instagram page. Um, But as I transition into like more of what I feel like is my my a truer representation of myself. Uh, I knew that some of those people weren't going to stick around. Some of those people weren't going to engage anymore. But I knew that if I just kept putting out content that felt authentic to me, that eventually the right people will find it. So slowly, the percentage, the male to female percentage is going from 90, 10 up to 85, up to 80. You know, so it's I feel like the number one thing that we can do, which we've already put into practice, is taking action on the life we envision. So I have decided that I want to do more travel content. So I'm just making travel content. I'm making that my number one priority. You know, if I know that I'm going to have a slow month at work, I just book a trip. Even if I don't know I'm going to have a slow month, I just say, okay, well, I'm going to give up this cash to go do this thing that I'm passionate about because that's where my value system is. 
right? That's that's what I'm yeah. going to prioritize. You know, when we were in Thailand, we got partnered up with, uh, what's her name, Sheila, Shelly? This Belgian chick who actually had a smaller- Shally. Shally. She had a smaller following than you by like half. And she has since exploded, but she was like traveling exclusively full-time. And there really is a market out there when you're when you decide to ditch- the like I'm sure you know just like it's the same reason you have a podcast I have a podcast I the ideal situation would be not to need a publisher to be so big you know that when you put the product out 40,000 of your fans are going to buy the book that's the ideal situation so how do you juggle between how, like, how how do you think you juggle between the gatekeepers of the industry versus completely self-actualizing it through your own following because if you can build your own following in the end, that's what everyone needs. That way, you know, no one can fire you. No one can, you know, take your book off the shelf. If, if you have your own, you know, if someone wants to shame you or look at an old tweet, you say, it doesn't matter. If you have your own following, it doesn't matter. But also there are still rules to be played within, like it would, like in, it, where you are now, it would be better to have a publisher, you know, if you don't have that following. So how do you, how do you balance growing your own thing versus playing by those rules? I mean, for me, it's about what your goals are. So I already sold a book without a publisher. I did an ebook uh, years ago and it sold to people in 16 different countries. And that was awesome. And I just, I just had this vision for myself of doing it a different route this time and going through a publisher and having more of a global, like even more of a global reach. And I'm also developing a TV show off of this book, which I haven't really said publicly before. I could see um, that in and, your face right there. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I get so hesitant about sharing. Um, and so, um, it just depends about what your goals are. And I think also, you know, I have a chapter in my book called breaking the rules and then the word rules is crossed out and then it says limitations. So for me, it, the breaking of the rules part is, breaking them when it limits you, not when it can help you. Right. And so I think that, you know, when you said the word gatekeeper, the first thing that I thought in my mind is like, but what if we didn't just see them as gatekeepers? What if we saw them as friends? What if we saw them as allies? What if we saw them as people who want to help us? Um, and so I think that's like, I'm not really seeing the publisher as the gatekeeper, essentially, you know, maybe the agent a little bit, but I'm just viewing it differently because of what my vision is. Like, I just feel led to do it this way. But I think whatever your vision is, I always say, you know, pursue multiple avenues. So I don't even want to put it out there, but if I can't get a publisher, I'll self-publish it, you know? So it's like pursue multiple avenues and be open to how it ends up looking. Um, because I think when we try to control the road too much, we cut ourselves off. So if you can get opportunities from followers, that's awesome. If you have to go a more traditional route, that's cool too. You know, whatever matches your vision. You know, that's such a good way that you, that you put it is to use them as friends. And I think, I think part of the divide, and we'll get at here shortly. I know we've gone way longer than I thought we would, but there's so many good oh, questions to I'm ask you. I'm so busy. Let me tell you. I, got, <laughs> I have to get back to it. I put you on the spot. I'm like, you're not busy today, are you? <laughs> it's a Sunday during a quarantine. Uh, but but we there's a neediness that I think we can feel when we when we need to ask others for help. So by seeing somebody as a friend, you're reframing it from need. It's it's like if you go into an audition. You know, everyone's I like. An acting coach who told me this and I have since told Dave and it's one of the most helpful things because I used to have paralyzing anxiety, right? Like stage fright and auditions. And she said, 
why are you looking at your the person in the audition, the casting director, like they're like on a pedestal or like that they're mm-hmm. a gatekeeper or whatever? She said casting directors are your friends. Casting directors want you to succeed. They want more than anything you to, for you to succeed. They called you in because they thought you looked right for the part and they're just hoping that you crush it so they can call it a day and go home. Like it's so true that if reframing, so now when I walk into an audition, I mean, I still get nervous all the time, but, but it, it really takes the pressure off knowing that like, no, this person wants me to succeed they're gonna give me feedback they're gonna ask me to do it a different way and all I have to do is trust that they're like guiding me they're like a shaman almost right so it's and just think about too like if like if you were on the other end you know because one thing I talk about is like the please please pick me please choose me that energy there's a lot of desperation in that energy if you were on the other end and you were hiring someone and you had two people come to you. And one person was like, had that energy of like, am I good enough? What do you think? What do you think? Is it okay? Is my resume good? Is my stuff good? Oh my God, please pick me. Oh my God, please just choose me, choose me. And then the other person was like, hi, I'm really good at what I do. You know, if you feel like this is a fit, awesome. Let's do this. If not, cool. I'll move on to the next person. You know, that, that desperate energy of please pick me is not attractive to anybody. And so we want to shift out of that and just feel confident. You're yourself. describing my twenties, <laughs> but that's, I mean, we, yeah, we gotta, we gotta relate this back to dating and relationships somehow, but that's, that's how you get laid not by not being, please pick me, please choose me because the, there is no more intuitive, like women are so intuitive. So you, yeah. you, you'll have enough guys coming up to you that you'll know the confident one that's going to be a good date for the most part versus the, the immediate neediness. I mean, men show their red flags very quickly when we have them. So like it's, 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 we're quick to learn like, all right, I need to care less about how this goes because that's the true, that's the true sort of vibe that meshes well being like, you know, eh, whatever, see what happens. But like, I'm going to give you my true self. That's why when a lot of times we talk about rejection, usually the, you're getting rejected from your, um, your, uh, uh, what do you call it? Your, uh, pursuit yeah your pitch is being rejected not you so people like we at the core feel rejected as a person but chances are it's like you just stumbled on your intro and you made a bad impression like that's what you're being rejected for so it's it's about like like having cool calm being cool calm and collected in those moments where you're making that impression so that you can show off what you truly can do but what you described being like that needy person that's like that's like every second i go on stage is being like, oh, I want to get that first laugh. And when and when you when you look at every when I look at every time a set's gone really well, it is that don't give a fuck vibe. Yep. Because that whole audience yep. can share. And by the way, they just did a study with rock bands that when a, a good rock band on stage, they 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 actually share the same brainwaves as the audience. Like like they're literally all kind of syncing up. I mean, we're just ants. We're just ants out there. So the second we all get together with like a group mind, we all decide when something works. So like if you have the right mindset and you go into some pitch meeting and you can just like link up with everybody and have that confidence, they're all going to be like, oh yeah, that's, that's it. That, that's the one, you know, which, which mm-hmm. might take 24 rejections to finally be like, you know what? Fuck this. Um, and then you go in and then you're great, you know? So I don't know. There's, there's a, but, but it's all about becoming comfortable, confident, and like having that just sort of pure energy where like you've, you have the confidence in yourself because you've worked hard enough that others can see it. 
you know, and you gotta like find a way to maintain that. Cause you know, I like, I'm, I'm only as good as the coffee, you know, I'm, my confidence is on <laughs> right now. It's good. But in an hour I'm going to be on empty. So it's like, you, you know, it's about like in, in, in to, to circle back to button this all up. It's about f- harnessing that creative, positive energy in moments where you might not want you know, to work, you, you know, not, not to say that you need, you know, to wake up at 8am and just, or whenever and be ready to go, but putting yourself in the environment to, oh, I wanted to ask you this because I don't think we talked about this last time, but do you do any, do you do any talking to your clients about their physical health when it comes to like getting a good mindset, like, like feeding themselves the right way? Or is that something you do, you don't touch? I mean, not really. We talk sometimes about exercising because exercising always really helps. But um, no, we don't really talk about that. We talk, you know, I think it's a combination of everything. And I think that, uh, you know, even even what you're talking about with when the confidence dips and having to maintain that, something that can help in those moments are affirmations. Because whenever your confidence dips, it's because of the story you begin to tell yourself. It's all just like the negative self-talk. And same thing when you're talking about rejection and feeling sad about rejection. When you're feeling sad about it, I went through this yesterday. I'm like, damn it, I'm going through my own shit and I'm writing a book about this. I have to be better. Um, You know, it's like when we have the rejection and we feel sad about it, we, we feel sad about the story we're telling ourselves about what that rejection means rather than the rejection itself. So like I got a rejection from an agent two days ago and I felt really down about it because it was someone who represents a big coach who turned well-known um, and she has very similar energy to me and I've been told that before and she kind of, you know, she just got, got her own talk show with Quibi and, you know, it just felt like, oh my gosh, like this person should represent me too. And when I get rejected from them, they didn't even read my proposal. And I was like, okay, what's the story I'm telling myself? Well, now I'm telling myself that this is bad because this means I'm never going to be successful like she is because her agent doesn't want me. Okay, like I have to recognize what that story is and then I need to change it. I have to go back to, wait a minute, I'm not her. I'm not trying to be her. I'm trying to be Erica Warnick. I'm trying to be the next Erica Warnick and I'm going to find Erica Warnick's agent and this is going to happen. My success is inevitable. I'm getting this book deal no matter what this, you know, so it's really about recognizing what the stories are that we're telling ourselves and being able to change it with affirmations or new stories or whatever. And sometimes it's as simple as putting a label on it, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, identifying exactly your story, each bit of it, right? Stepping back and being like, oh, I'm never going to be as successful as this person because her agent doesn't want me. Whoa. Whoa. Once you realize that, oh, that's why I'm feeling upset. You're like, well, there's a million agents out there. You know, we Mm -hmm. have, we have some moments where Tasha will like say something about herself and I'm like, you are brutal to yourself. And then, and then, and then afterwards I'll say something about me and she'd be like, you are brutal to yourself. And it's like, yeah, we're really (laughs) tough on ourselves. But I think, you know, these are the types of conversations that you have during the ebbs and flows. Like it's kind of like, we're going to have our moments during this pandemic where we're like, what the fuck are we doing with our lives? And then we're going to have our moments where we're on a walk 
at sunset being like, this ain't that bad right now. Like we're gonna feel both of those feelings and like, how do you just keep that ship steady? And it's everything we talked about, just, you know, being, you know, finding ways to make yourself accountable and having that self-confidence and all that. Well, um, and, um, so, uh, what's your podcast? How can people find that? Um, by the way, congratulations. You were just listed, um, on the, uh, podcast, uh, women in podcasting. Is that right? Oh yeah. That article. Yes. Thank you. Uh, the Hollywood success podcast. I haven't done any episodes during quarantine yet. I haven't felt up to it. That's probably but. a good idea because this is a quarantine episode number four for us. And boy, talking about quarantine is tough. I guess everybody's going through it so everyone can relate, but we're so over quarantine talk. Yeah, we're not. I mean, it's like we it's like, how do you not talk about it? But at the same time, we want to be as productive as possible and look back at this situation because we were supposed to go to Costa Rica this week. We, this was our big vacation. We had we had all these plans and it was like eventually we we're both just like, we're not even upset, obviously. Like we're not trying to be make it trivial, but we're kind of like, look, let's just make the most of it and take this time to reorganize our shit, both mentally, physically, and spiritually. And like you said, just like find the mantra to pick ourselves up and talk our way through it. Do you have any mantras that you that are hot in your life right now? Anything you recommend? I mean, the one for my business is my success is inevitable. And we all say that all the time. Um, but other than that, I'm, I just say what I need to say in that moment. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to get this book deal that, and, and I think also I have to remind myself that I'm worthy, right? So like people are going to want to read this book because I'm bringing value and I have to remind myself of that. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's just whatever I'm feeling in the moment that needs to be addressed. I like, uh, I am enough. I have enough. I want to share it. That's the one I like to use. So I like my success is inevitable. That's yeah. a good one. We're going to steal that one. <laughs> I have t-shirts. I'm like, it's our motto for my business. Oh, and, amazing. Yeah. Well, everyone yeah. who's listening, go give Erica some love and support. And thank you so much for jumping on the phone. Come back anytime. And I can't wait to read your book and, and talk to you when it's all finished and everything. We're close by if you need us. We don't have paper towels, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> I have paper towels. You got paper you towels? Paper towels. <laughs> we, we're using gym, gym towels. Those are our new paper towels. <laughs> but um, th- thanks again for coming on and, uh, and stay in touch. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye. Bye. There it is, folks. Um, let's, uh, let's wrap up this bow. We we're uh, pushing out an hour. What'd you think? I thought that was really good. If she hadn't been in a rush, if you hadn't been in a rush to shut it down, I would have asked one final question, babe, boy, is it hard to get a word in with you on a Skype podcast? I didn't need to be here. You, you did, made me sit you, here for 57 minutes. You did great. To get three words in. No, you did great. We talk, You're you just talked. rambling. You're rambling so hard I couldn't even follow. And I had a whole coffee today. You know, I'm bad at that. <laughs> not, you're right i'm bad at that like sometimes i think you start donald trump does this too it's like he starts a sentence no clue how it's gonna starts end. rambling no idea how it's gonna end forgets where he even started which i'm guilty of forgetting that's where why i'm so started. much better at solo podcasts because i don't but have then to. you just and then you just go somewhere completely left field and i am surprised she has practice i guess from talking to her oh come people on. that she coaches but how she managed to follow along with any of that i'll never know yeah no me neither <laughs> i was on map quest trying to find my way home <laughs> i was like can i make a left turn here <laughs> i like the idea i like the idea 
of mantras, but I have a really hard time putting them into practice. You a, have but a really hard time. And I don't know if that's like a, an imposter syndrome type thing, but there's this one person and I'm not going to put anybody on blast, but there's this one person that's in my online circle that for a while was posting these like mantra type things every day. And boy, did it just feel sad. That's what it felt to me, like seeing her. And I guess maybe mantras are more personal. It's not the kind of thing where you like have to like put it on Instagram. But like, I I, I don't know. It's like, uh, how do you get across that mental barrier of like, I'm deluding myself? Like, like, I don't know how else to explain it. Like, it just deluding yourself because you're you're mantras aren't specific enough you're just like preaching joy and ha- love or what i don't know it just it feels fake to me but look, like we're, saying we're, a, like i you know me i'm very action oriented and like results oriented and my thing is always like how do i get my most success all of the things that we were talking about success with like confidence the way that i feel confident is being undeniable right i nothing Uh, makes me feel better walking into an audition room or sending a pitch or whatever, knowing in my gut that like, I'm undeniable. I'm the best for this job. I have done all the work that I need to do to get into this moment. I am perfect for this role. I am perfect for this job. That being undeniable, knowing that I've done the work, knowing, you know, all of that helps me to feel confidence. Yeah, what you're saying, your value is... it. Being undeniable and feeling undeniable is what you value because it's it's in your control in the situation. You can't control if they're going to like you. You can't control the temperature of the room, but you can control that you're going to bring your little orb there. Mm-hmm. And that makes so much sense that you value that control. But you also... You also um, so like just saying like my success is undeniable. I mean, I guess that that to me feels like not a step one, but a step three. Did she say inevitable? undeniable i thought you said inevitable either way both work (laughs) so it's okay but you know like uh, i guess having done the work and maybe and maybe she feels that she can say that because she has done the work but sometimes when you're just trying to psych yourself into it like i i wish there was a way to like get over it's like a mental blockage for me because i feel like you could use the mantra to psych yourself up but i am unable to I don't know if you're unable to, but I, I think I think it requires some self-discipline that can be hard because you're good at knowing at eight o'clock, you got to show up to a certain place. You'll be there early. You'll have your lunch packed. I cooked it, but it's ready to go. You'll have all those things ready when, when you have that structure. But mantras is not a structure. You know what I mean? Mantras feels like a preachy thing to me. But if someone told you seven like minutes a-, a day of a of of I am in uh, undeniable or I am in uh, whatever it is, so if if someone told you that that would lead to success, you would have it would be easier for you to do it versus versus being like, eh, I guess I could do it because it's hard to define the what the brain thinks. You know, it's hard to define that the spirituality of it all. So, but you, but that you're, I think you're right. I, I think that that's maybe the element that I'm missing is the spirituality element because religious people do mantras every day praying. But you're, yeah, you're, and you're, what's interesting with you is that 
you are spiritual. You talked about your acupuncturist and your Libra rising. So like in some ways you buy into That's the Kool-Aid. Not- <laughs> no, I'm just saying in some ways you'll, you'll buy into certain things, but then you, but then there's still there. And again, trust I have me. A, a real issue with uh, God personified and, and gendered, uh, but specifically personified. She is within you. No, I, I and gendered both genders. They, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they works better for me. You sneeze, they bless you. <laughs> <laughs> they bless, they bless each and every one of you. Uh, but God to me feels more like an it and less like a person. But if a guy, if a guy, if uh, if but, if a guy wrote the Bible, then he's gonna call it his Lord and Savior. Yeah, it's, yeah, they didn't you, have these back. Yeah, then. you make it whatever you want to make it. That's totally fine. But uh, it's interesting because I've always had such a hard time with prayer and I have a very close friend and then some other people that I know that are, uh, you know, very have like Christian values are very, I don't know, what would you call them? Strong Christians. And I envy the things that they have been able to self-actualize through prayer, right? Because I I believe that prayer is a strong thing, but for some reason I can't do it. And I believe that speaking into existence, like in the secret, I believe it's a strong thing, but I I feel weird when I do it. Accompanied with like a high frequency of action. Yeah, of course, of of course, of course. We're not leaving out the action, but I, I think that doing only the action and not also speaking into existence, uh doing the secret, visualizing, praying. I think that you're stronger with both than with only one, right? Just speaking and no action is not going to work. Just action and no speaking. You're running circles. Also feels like, yeah, it feels like you're running with cement blocks on your feet. Well, like a Jordan Peterson has been asked a bunch what he thinks about religion. And he says basically that it's been proven that people that are uh, people that are religious, we're not talking about zealots or, or, you know, people that are, you know, that, that do believe in something bigger than themselves tend to live a happier life. So it's almost like, um, people that are because they're more tuned in to seeing the big picture. Yeah. And it's like, if you just, if you just operate with the belief that the, in the optimism that there's a greater cause, you might go into life with less of a fatalistic approach. Like I do believe I've got a message to share and I do believe that all of my little, you know, every podcast I'm getting better and better at learning how to broadcast that. And, and also just like Erica was saying, and of course you was like living, does that feel like part of a greater purpose to me? That seems like a very minuscule that doesn't, that doesn't have the vibe of like bigger picture to me. What? What doesn't? What you just said. What do you mean? You said, I know I'm getting better at this thing. I have something to share. Well, basically what I'm saying is that I understand that the time spent uh, creating YouTube videos and doing stand-up and podcasting is all getting better and and sharper at broadcasting my message. So that when it finally is time to to be on a platform in front of, in a a much better place, I will have refined the stories. I will have refined my perspective. What's your message? Um, that's the hard thing because a lot of what I love and I appreciate you putting me on the spot. I do. Usually I do this to you and it's nice to have the roles reversed here, but I, I believe what I want deep down is to connect with an audience and it, and the message doesn't, isn't as um, groundbreaking as what some people might say. Like, I want to change the fabric of the universe. I want people to be happy. I want people to be optimistic and feel happy. And a lot of stand up comedy does that. 
I, I remember when my friend Cassandra was playing at the Bitter End, which is the you know the iconic New York um, place. Lady Gaga got her start there when she was Stephanie, whatever her Italian name is. What it was, Steph, you know, whatever. Giannata yeah, or whatever, something yeah. like when that. Everyone got their start there. Billy Joel. Everyone got to start at the Bitter End, and she and she was kind of had this like thing that only like a spiritual sort of creator can have, where she's like, oh, you know, I can change the frequency of the room, and it's true. Like a pianist, someone who can sing well, and imagine, I mean, someone who can, you know, a great singer can change a stadium full of people you know the you know the f-16s are flying by the you know they're singing the national anthem I mean, it's it's an, it can be, everyone gets goosebumps all over the universe when we're connected into that same rhythm with stand-up it's a little different you know it's like it's like we're getting people to laugh which is releasing oxytocin and 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 serotonin and you're feeling good and you leave there feeling good but that doesn't happen right away sometimes you suck for a while you know the times that i that i've absolutely felt blissfully in control of a room, which happens, has been some of the best times of my life. And I don't mean but that in do some sort of maniacal way. If you were more tuned in to the bigger picture, bigger message. I mean, what I got from you just now as your your core want is that you want to make people happy. You want people to be happy. Can you just put I can't do it all. So yeah, can you I don't just know what that noise is. Uh so so do you think that being more in tune with that as a goal, like putting that in the forefront of your mind would make things move faster for you? That's a great question. Because and I feel like I a lot of times when you talk on. about this stuff, it's very ego focused, like it's very you focused and it feels very limited and in a box. Well, how is it not? How How is it not about me? You know, when I'm when I'm trying well, I, it's I not about you if your mission is to bring people happiness. Well, other than, and again, through, to be, through to the To bring medium, people joy, to share how to be happy, to share how to be fulfilled. All of that is like a giving. It's a service, right? right. And it's a legitimate one because people need help with that. And with stand-up, right? the service is different than podcasting. So obviously the podcast is more spiritual and motivational, I believe. But through stand-up, it's, you know, you have to, there's a the technicality to how you tell a joke and it's more like um, self, uh, you kind of like shitting on yourself in a way. And but but you're well, or you're just holding up a mirror to society, right? Yeah. So that's what's universal about it. But you're right is that you- you're bringing people joy and laughter by by making fun of the ways that we're all silly. You're totally right. And the thing that I, I am aware of that's especially true within the comedy world is like, like um, when Gal Gadot and all of the celebrities decided to sing Imagine, they, they didn't have that self-awareness that stand-ups have a self-awareness. That's like, no one's ever, no, no stand-up comic refers to their art as their art. It is art. No one, but by saying that I'm negating, you know what I mean? So it's like, we have this sort of like, let's make this as blue collar and we the people as possible. And, and, but also, you know, we all want sort of the same thing, but there's just different ways to get there. Some comics are less needy than others, but but through through the end, there's no greater thrill than than getting that audience to feel that love in that afterwards. Also, there's no better. Let me just tell you this: there's no better thing than saying that's my time. I'm Dave Neal. Everyone have a great night. There's no better thing than than after you've done well because everyone in the audience is waiting for that moment. I used to, it was so cool to me before I ever thought of doing stand-up, watching comedy, waiting for the comic to get to the part where they say that's their time. It's something we never talk about, but it's like in a lot, and in probably 95% of stand-up 
performances, the comic doesn't necessarily know when that's going to be. It, in, in, in your floor routine of gymnastics, you know you're ending on the triple somersault thing. You know you're what you're ending on. Stand-up's a little bit more like jazz where you have the bits, but you don't know where you're going to... And you, you, know, you know my act well enough that you've been to shows before where like, you're like, why'd you do that joke? Or why'd you do this? And I know you don't really want to know the answer because I'm going to take 20 minutes to tell you. But the truth is, is that... When you get to that moment where you're like, all right, this is it. This, I'm ending on this triple jump. Here we go. Boom. Hey, that's it for me. Thank you, guys. And then boom, they give you that. And, and, half, and a lot of times, the audience, if the energy is not there, they'll give you the polite laugh and you'll get off like, Ugh, uh, and you just feel this feeling. But when it's good, when you get to where you want it to go, you're getting, and again, you're right that it's egocentric in a way, but you're getting the love that you're looking for, but you're also just creating a happy, you're, you're part of a lineup that's creating a happy vibe. But it's interesting, and I don't know if this is necessarily like a universal thing for all comics, but I think that you, I don't know what went down in your childhood <laughs> that <either>. made <laughs> you like the person who always has to like put your finger in and poke it. You know what I mean? Like, you just, you are a jabber. If you see something that's off, right? If you like come home to my family, whatever, and we're fighting, yeah. you just fucking put your finger and twist. Well, because like, my check engine light's on. Why is this doing this? Let's, let's start diagnosing. Exactly. I start diagnosing. But that's, you have that uh, view. It's called empathy. No, that's not anything like empathy. That's not what that is. I feel pain in others. <laughs> no, but if you have that, that's that's a, a core part of your personality, I think. And I feel like you can do that on stage. Like poke your finger in like when the room's a little weird oh you're saying you're, you're like, saying it's you uh, like poke into it lean into it and, and it's not and it's bad for me no i'm not saying that at all i'm saying that's like a gift and that maybe is part of your bigger calling oh well i i will take the compliment within that saying somewhere Why are you acting like it's not a compliment? no I'm i just, was i'm surprised that it is i'm trying to help <laughs> i was getting you. ready to be defensive <laughs> i'm like ready to go like you wanted to fucking fight me i'm like well thank you i think that was you tell me my calling is i appreciate that no i'm i'm trying to help you tune in to what might be your higher purpose because i think it's an important thing for everybody to tune into otherwise we're just floating listlessly through life right a lot of like influencers that i follow even erica probably like once you're tuned in to your purpose i think it takes the pressure off you as an individual there's this one um instagram where i follow her handle is officially quigley she goes by quigley or quigs um but she founded a year or so ago this thing called the social media, S-O-U-L, social media. And her whole like mission statement is that like she wants social media to feel more together and more like purposeful and passionate, right? That it shouldn't be like this ugh thing, which it can be for a lot of people. And it should be more of like a ah thing, like sharing positivity and yeah. honesty. And um, I think that having that mission statement, I mean, she was obviously very successful before then, but I feel like it's catapulted her success 
and helped design her life into a very beautiful life. I think having that like goal and mission statement can be transformative because otherwise it's like if you don't if you don't have your mission statement all laid out, then maybe you don't even know like have you, you put how the do you thought a, how into do you ask it? for it well and how do you guide yourself because if you're constantly if you're able to check in every day or every month or whatever and be like am i still like am i steering the right direction for my mission statement yeah then that's something that can help write your own ship and, it, and, and you're right and it can be very muddy what that is and i know we've both even in this podcast asking we'll ask, we'll ask strangers what are you know what am i doing you know i, mean, we're I have happy. no clue yeah but you're right. It, it's like, um, you know, on TikTok, I like watching these chiropractor videos where they crack people. And what the chiropractor is doing is they're touching. And again, don't, I don't know if this is exactly what they're doing, but like a massage therapist, they're, you're touching and prying somebody's back, neck, Manipulating. and legs. Manipulating. But before you manipulate, you got to see what the problem is. So you're like, ooh, we're going to, that's tight. Let's push into that. When I'm giving you a massage, like you're going to get later on tonight, I'm not massaging the juicy parts. That's good. I'm getting in the tight shit. I'm getting in where you go, ooh, no, no, no. I'm getting into that. That's what, and I think in any conversation, especially on the podcast, I just have a natural curiosity. Who doesn't? I mean, I don't know. Through my lens, I have a natural curiosity to to like see what what people's problems are. When we had Anthony Amarello on, you know, he he just got through like a seven year breakup, and it's like, let's unpack this because it's like this is more interesting than like asking you some stupid question about something that doesn't matter. It's like, what matters to you? What's that, what's on your soul? And we always end the podcast feeling better for the most part. We always feel like this unburdening. I mean, if we were Scientologists, this is basically our e-meter test, right? This is our, like, everyone's always like, oh, you feel better after you leave the shrink. Yeah, you got a lot of shit off of your chest. The shrink, you don't have to be a, have a double PhD in like psychoanalyzing someone to realize we're just a, a society that wants to get real and talk. And with stand-up, I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, my, uh, so much of what I want to do, like, uh, I always talk about, I just want to be successful enough that I can have both of our parents stay at the same Airbnb together. Both of our families, like, cause, cause community and that social, that, that being a magnet to get people together is so important to me. I love when I go back to New York to see my buddies. A lot of them don't see each other until I'm in town because we're, we're all like a social circle, but to, but when I'm not there, everyone has their other social circles. So when I'm there, my buddy, Hula, they're always like, oh, we love it when you're in town because we all hang. And it's like, I get it. When I'm in LA, I'm not just hanging with all my buddies. But when I go back to New York, it's like an essential part of my visit. So what what I love that stand-up does is it unites people. I mean, it's no secret that I've spent my life trying to be in groups, whether it's a fraternity, a baseball team, jazz band. I mean, I just want a sense of belonging. Who doesn't, right? But part of my childhood was very much kind of on the outside looking in. You know, a single mom who worked full-time. I spent a lot of times alone, just kind of like wanting. So like when I met my buddy Diggums, you know, the late great Diggums, and he wanted to go to the mall, Fucking let's go to the mall. What are we going to do at the mall? Who cares? We're going to the malls. We're going to get Annie's pretzels. We're going to go to Hot Topic and look at some titty photos. I mean, come on. We're 15. They have titty photos. Oh, they, uh, there's always a Pam Anderson in a wet t-shirt at the mall. Yeah, you go there. Come on. We're going to go to... They didn't even have H&M back then. We're going to go to Limited 2. T-O-O. The gra- grammatical error there. <laughs> Limited 2. We're going to go there. We're going to go hang out outside of Claire's and see who's getting their ears pierced. Come on. We're going to have a blast. We're 15 or 16. You know, so I've, I've always appreciated those kind of ride or die buddies. Gooch is a great one. Gooch is a great buddy who like... 
I don't know how to fix cars, but I'll watch him. I'll make bacon while he fixes a car. We used to always joke around about that. We'd go to the deli, we'd buy, we'd get an extra side of bacon, and then we'd go, you know, he'd change the oil in the car. And and to him, he probably just enjoyed my company as much as I enjoyed him. That's what true friends are to me, you know. So a lot of what you know, you've challenged me to find, figure out that I want. Um, there is a lack of appreciation within the open mic and stand-up world because it's like a bunch of magicians aren't going to necessarily appreciate magic until you do it in front of a non-magician. They're like, whoa, that's fucking cool. And like, whereas another magician would be like, ah, that's pretty hack. I learned that three years ago. So with stand-up, part of what I've considered through this kind of quote-unquote break that we're having from life is to reintroduce myself to the comedy store. You know, when it's time to go back, reintroduce myself at the, at the fucking eight year level of standup that I've done. I mean, if I was studying medicine, I'd be a doctor, right? I'm not comparing what I do to being a doctor, but I'm just saying eight years is nothing to sneeze at, you know? So maybe I need to treat myself like I've been doing it for eight years and, and, and kind of not hang out with people that have been doing it for one or two years. Like let them, you know, they can be a part of my thing, but I got to lead my own, you know, be, be in my own path and kind of reach up, not be pulled down. And that's kind of what the weird hierarchy with standup is, is we're all kind of like mixed together. A bunch of first year and 20th year comics are all kind of mixed together. And it's like, how do I, how do I get the attention of somebody who's 20 years in like this, like this week, Joe Rogan was talking about Josh Potter, who has been on the podcast and Joe Rogan was like, you know, Joe Rogan, you know, he's the Oprah of podcasting. I mean, I was, I, I played, I played the audio for you and I'm like, mm-hmm. I know you know how significant it is, but multiply it by a thousand because that's nuts that Joe Rogan was just randomly in Vegas and he saw Josh Potter opening for Tom Segura, who's uh, also another legend in the podcast world. They, you know, building multi-million dollar homes off of, you know, pretty much sort of doing the same thing I want to do, which is just sharing your voice and happiness and all that. But the point was, is that Joe Rogan was able to see Josh Potter and no, he was like, hey, he's been doing it for what, 10 years? And it was like, yeah, 10 years. He's like, yeah, I could tell. Like, he's like, he's an expert in stand up, you know, having done it for 25 years, where he can look at Josh Potter and go, yeah, I can tell. Yeah, he's funny, but I can tell exactly where he is and, and, and like, uh, and get, get that respect. And it's like, well, I want to be the Josh Potter that does my own thing. And then comics love to hang out at the perimeter at the back of the club, right? So like you can be on stage doing your thing. You don't know who's listening. A lot of times the green room is far enough away that, you know, it's quiet. But if a comic's crushing, they can hear. And every comic wants to do well enough that the green room can hear you crushing. Comics, they don't care if... They don't care if they even know what the bit was, but they know that the, that you did your job to the best that you could and there's like a street cred towards that. And how the fuck am I supposed to even mingle with these people if I'm too afraid to waste my time going to the store? Because that's what it comes down to is I'm just like, Ugh, I don't want to be a part of some club that I'm not in. Like I value the tribal uh, situation so much that I don't even want to be on the fringe of a place I'm not wanted. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's understandable. I don't have a solution for you. I think it's interesting, though, because we we have so much going on. Uh, You've got your YouTube that you're really focused on right now and building, and I think that's a great thing. Don't say that with a question mark in your eyes. Not a question (laughs) mark. I'm making a list. Sometimes (laughs) I have to think while I talk. Tell your face. (laughs) Uh, No, but you've got YouTube going on. We've got the podcast. You've got stand up. And it's like, sometimes I think that Erica was talking about um, 
being too having being too married to the journey or however she said it like being too focused on how you're going to get somewhere and I always think of like a horse with blinders right like when you're just like when you're too married to how it's going to go what the process is going to look like you don't leave yourself open to the detours right and uh I think that like you're allowed to have multiple baskets right yeah so you have your eggs in different baskets and when one of those goes well or just I mean it's so funny because like with a mimosa show and YouTube and everything else the podcast people are are paying attention to what's going on in their periphery right how many times have you had people be like wow you're really killing it man i see your stuff on youtube i see you the podcast yeah no the, you're i mean you're i right. want to get on the mimosa show and they have this by idea. cleaning it up a little bit they respect it more they're like oh that looks really nice what you're doing over there no but just my point is is that like just because you don't necessarily feel like you've got it all together doesn't mean other people think you don't have it all together and maybe your absence from open mics for the next two months I wouldn't think of it as an absence I would think of it as like a a redirect or a detour like putting your focus back where it's supposed to be on YouTube on the podcast because all of those things work hand in hand and like people come to you and say hey man it's so great to see you and they value you as a stand-up comedian more because they have been seeing these other things going on in their periphery yeah right it's like I kind of I kind of learned that before this pandemic where I was kind of like you know what whether I push a thousand, it's like I, I use the analogy with stand, with um, pitching. If you if you if you throw at a hundred percent velocity, I if I throw at a hundred percent velocity, I can throw eighty six miles an hour. If I throw at eighty, or if I throw at ninety percent velocity, I can throw at eighty four miles an hour. So it's not a it's not a perfect linear. Like you can only work so hard at so, at such a velocity before it's not the ends aren't worth the means. Does that make sense? I don't know if I said that right. So like, so rather than drive myself crazy and find burn a, out and burn out, find out that 45 miles an hour is the, don't do this on the highway folks, but 45 miles an hour is the best miles per gallon for the vehicle. So while the thing can go 90 and it can go 20, eh, let's find the cruising pace of pushing myself at a certain, cause I'll always try to push myself too hard. That's my problem. And what I was, what I was finding out was I'd spend X amount of hours on the side gig. And then I was, I was filleting my passions so tightly that I was cutting off all joy that came from them. All like I'd be so rushed to get home to see you because I worked all day, then ran to a mic, and then I I so I'd miss out on the hang that happens after the mic, which is where you meet the other comics, you kind of like suck each other's dicks and like you know talk stand up, doing all the stuff that would be nice because then I wouldn't have to bring it home to you. So I need to get back to like the hang of it all because that's the part to me that's missing with with the performance of it all is like the networking and meeting everybody. That's why it's always like you can be a road comic who just travels all over the country, but if you're not hanging with the movers and shakers, you'll never meet the people that are going to ask you to open for them. You'll never meet the people. So like I need to get back into like sort of appreciating stand-up in, in a way where I'm watching the pros do it. I mean, we live several miles away from the greatest comics in the history of the universe, and I'm not really watching them perform. And I need to be watching them and, and, and instead of, you know, watching, you know, wait, you know, being in a room full of open micers. So that's kind of like um, putting myself 
into the right mood into the but what you said was i think the the most genius thing you've ever said which is if other people believe in you you need to kind of like acknowledge that so then you'll kind of fake your own feelings to match theirs you know you said it more eloquently than that but well sure did i lose you no, I I mean, I think that's what, like, you know, they always talk about fake it till you make it. And like, I find it really hard to fake it. I find it really hard to do affirmations. Well, can I, can I interrupt you real quick and yeah. tell you what I think, what I think what works for you. And I know we got to get out of here. You guys don't have anywhere to be. Listen up. We're not going anywhere. Uh, you're doing laundry. You're hanging out. Um, I think for you, you're so goal, goal oriented with, which we all are, that it's, if you spend an hour making an Instagram post and folks, yes, it can take that long when you're, you know, when you're trying to tag people and get the hashtags and make it sound right. If you, so you just, you just up, you just upgrade, updated your Instagram, right? You changed your bio. It looks really good. It looks great, honey. You did a great job. And, and all that, I didn't know what the fuck you were doing in bed till 5 PM, but Hey, it's a quarantine folks. What are we doing? What are we doing? Tasha's in bed till five. So we made the bed when sunset. So that's what we did. Who cares? But the point is, is that you're able to see like short-term goals, I think a little bit easier than long-term stuff. She's uh, ignoring me right now. You're able to see short-term goals easier than long-term things. It's easier for you. And again, we all, we're all that way. It's easier for you to um, know that you just banged out an Instagram post than it is to like work on your website. Because that's just not going to be done right away. And you talked about this, I think, on last ep- last couple episodes, where it's like long term goals. You 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 struggle more to get into them because you know you're not going to finish it then. So you don't have the sort of like pat myself on the back. I'm done with it, like you do uploading an Instagram post. But you have to realize that the greater picture sometimes is having a banging website. And maybe we need to have one. Maybe you need to have one just for your traveling. That, that puts it all together. Cause you've already done such a good job of putting together these like PDFs. But if you don't send those to people like personally into their Gmail, they're not going to see them. So maybe the, maybe this, the next step is to put all those amazing graphics and mission statements and all that into like a website that becomes your portfolio for that. Just a thought. Mm-hmm, yeah. But, but, but now during the quarantine is a perfect time to do all that because we ain't going far. We're not going far. You know, all we can do right now and I'm challenging the audience who's listening is sharpen the knife. That's all we're trying to do is sharpen the knife. What book is that from? Mm. It's, a, it's it's like one of the key principles. Um, in, in Malcolm Gladwell book. Anyway, I'm probably butchering it, but sharpening the knife. It's like you know we you know let the tool do the work. Let the sharp you know put together all of your marketing. You know have an impeccable you know like Jordan Peterson. One of, one of the things he says is don't be criticizing others if you haven't made your bed. So clean your fucking bedroom. Have all your shit in order so that. You know, when when the quarantine's lifted, when we're ready to go, you're we walk out of this like a cocoon, baby. Let's be butterflies. Let's fly away. Anything else we need to say? No, that's very good. <laughs> you good? What do you want for dinner? Are you good to go? We're gonna have, we have we have a good night ahead of us. It's still it's still sun out. We're gonna go take a walk at sunset. We're really having a blast out here. Again, not making light of any of those that are um, having any problems. Uh, let us know, folks. Uh, I read an article today that most podcasts are down about forty percent of their downloads because people aren't commuting to work and they're not listening. And hey, look, I don't doubt you. I'm I'm barely catching up on all the podcasts I listen to. So if 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 you guys are out there and in in to my loyal listeners, um, we appreciate you guys so much. If you could just share us with your friends 
DMs in whatever medium you use. If you use Instagram, screen grab this right now, throw it on your stories, tag a friend, let them know we're out here for them. I think this episode was chock full of really beneficial things we can do right now um, in our journey. And um, if anyone has the funds and the means and the love, we would appreciate if you checked out our Patreon, patreon.com slash the sap. It's a private membership community where we do extra podcasts. I'm doing them once a week. I promise twice a month. I'm doing them once a week. I don't give a fuck. I'm over delivering folks. We're out there. We got 17 members. And again, that might sound like small numbers to some people out there, but I am so grateful for those 17 and the people that have come and gone in the past. We got about 80 hours or so of different episodes. Jonesy and myself just did a Skype interview because we're quarantined here where we do weird news. We got every month him and I get together. Tasha has been a part of those. They're a ton of fun where we just read the weird news. We riff. It's totally irreverent. And, um, it makes a big deal. You know, it's in, in the course of the last year since we got it going, it's made about $1,600. And um, ain't small potatoes, folks. When I'm, when, when I'm in the bread line, that $1,600 is looking good. We've upgraded our sound studio, new lighting. We're going to get a new uh, sound mixer because this one's been, you know, we've used it for, since the Reagan administration. So uh, we're still using cassettes over here, folks. <laughs> we got to rewind the cassettes and uh, please be kind, rewind. But um, every, every bit makes a big difference. So we're really appreciative of those that have stuck around and, if you can uh, find the time to even check out the Patreon, even if you've never used it before, it's just an app you download, and um, it's a, there's a small dish, different tiers of memberships. And, and in times like now, when we're just out here kind of broadcasting into the abyss, we appreciate you guys. You know, I, I'll say this, Tasha. I know you kind of said this in jest, but you, you said the podcast was dying because I was complaining that no, that we're, we've lost a few lists, we've lost a few downloads through the pandemic. But it's been it's been acknowledged from the podcast community on Reddit from multiple podcasts all over the planet that a lot of podcasts are struggling right now. It's just people are watching the news. They're doing other things. There's pressing issues. Not everyone's wondering about how to get laid or whatever we're doing. going live on Instagram. So maybe we should do a podcast episode or two live. Yeah, we could do that. That's a good idea, right? Lots of people are going live right now. So it might be interesting to just turn on the live. I wish I could air this in post. I wish I could just put this up as live, you know? We could put it on IGTV. Yeah. And we're on YouTube, baby. I mean, we're investing in all these things. We've got a three, this is going to be a four camera setup on YouTube. So go to my YouTube. It's on search Dave Neal. We have a, uh, the SAP has its own two different playlists. There's SAP highlights and then there's SAP full episodes. I'm taking past uh, episodes and cutting up to short highlights with all of our favorite guests and um, putting a ton of work into that because I believe that YouTube is the best way for us to grow the podcast because it's the second highest, second biggest search engine in the world after Google. Google. So on YouTube, I'm noticing through the analytics that people are finding the podcast. The Cora Boyd interview has thousands of views on YouTube just because it's she's searchable, but no, but it has the Cora Boyd interview has no extra downloads specifically through the podcast app. So why do you guys care? I'm just sharing some insights. You know, you guys stuck around this long. I'm going to share the insider info with you guys that I just feel like that I need to invest in letting people find us through YouTube. And then, cause this is what I do. If I find a cool clip on YouTube, I'll be like, Oh, that's cool. But then I got to want to go watch it while I'm doing laundry. I'll find that same episode on my podcast app and I'll start listening to the audio. So we're out here, folks. We're not going away. We appreciate all your support. Uh, whether 
whether it be through uh, giving us ratings and reviews or joining the Patreon, or if you want to just throw us a Venmo or PayPal, it's, uh, you know, uh, your, your, your boy's not turning it down, but we appreciate, um, at the very least, you're listening. And um, as I tell everybody, if you've listened to more than five episodes and haven't written in, you are in timeout. Sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. Write in. Just tell me you're doing okay. Where are you, where are you writing in from? We just got to meet Jake from Georgia. He's on the Patreon. We appreciate hearing from him. It helps us triangulate our listeners and know where everyone's at. So, Vic, you're on your way back to Virginia. We hope you're doing well. Oz in Canada. Everyone else. We got Jamie Lynn slutting it up in Chicago. I'm just kidding about that. But uh, are you slutting it up? We don't know. Let us know what's going you can't on over there. Slut in quarantine. Oh, uh, you could slut in quarantine. Uh, I guess you g- could swipe. Swipe and quarantine. Swipe and cl- which the podcast title be slut in quarantine or swipe in quarantine? Swiping quarantine would be a good one. That's not related to our content of this episode at all. All right. Well, then I'll put it in the bullet points afterwards. <laughs> Hashtag swipe in quarantine. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. The S-A-